Blog Talk Radio. Facebook page. 
If you have an idea for a show or a topic, just go on over there and, and drop a little message on the Facebook page, and uh, we'll take it under consideration. So please check that out if you can. So anyways, Leslie, let's, let's divert ourselves back here. Before we start talking too much about Alana Taurus and um, Star Trek Voyager. On Thursday nights on Trek Talking, we review the latest Star Trek episode, which in this case is Star Trek Discovery. And we'll be talking about episode five, Die Trying. And so I wanted to get your opinion on that because uh, I won't get to talk to you again until next Sunday, and that'll be episode six. So uh, what did you think about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. Um, I I thought it, it it wasn't as good as the previous one, but I thought it was good. Uh, I'm really bad at pronouncing names, but the one thing that really got me was so they went to the Federation, or what they think is the Federation. And and they're being interrogated, and most of them are just giving answers. But the security guard, how do, how do you pronounce that name? Nan? 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 Yes. Nan. Um, yep. Like the Razzle I mean, to me, she, she's the only one that, to me, answered a question or the question correctly. She gave her serial number and her rank. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> – you've gone almost a 1,000 years in the future, and you're just going to start blabbing things out? You know, I I feel she was the correct one to say, you know, I'm security officer. This is my number, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you don't you don't just – Start telling people your life story or or what's been going on with the ship. That so I had a problem with that part. Or or I appreciate that the security officer did answer the question that way. But it was now, it was speak, it, it. Speaking of interrogation, what did you think about the the guy the gla- guy with the glasses? And the suit, and his interaction with Georgia. Uh, you know, I always get confused about glasses in the future. I mean, I think that got asked in the episode is like, why are you wearing glasses? I mean, in the future, it seems like you wouldn't have to wear glasses. So, so I don't know. I'm not completely comfortable with the group that's calling themselves the Federation. Yeah, and, and, I, I Yeah, and and and, and I think Giorgio isn't completely uh <laughs> she she knows something's up. Now, she may be I, I, using it to her advantage, but she knows something's not quite right. I think that what we're seeing, I think what we're seeing here is the birth or the continuation of Section 31 and the Section 31 show that that, George, that uh, Michelle Yeoh is going to be heading up next year. I think that's what they're laying the groundwork for. At least that's the way I took it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is that I don't know if the Federation truly is the Federation, or is it, is it, you know, as you say, Section 31. I mean, no one has really made it 100% clear <laughs> who they are. No, I mean, again, that's that's why I like the way the security guard answered the question and couldn't believe that everybody else is just pouring their guts out and who knows they're giving away secret information that was supposed to be quiet and now now they all know about it now and it was a bit strange that they didn't know about control 
I did think that was strange. Yeah, well, that's like you say. There were uh, there was there were too many holes, or there was I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a suspicious person. <laughs> I'm like Giorgio or or non or whatever. Is that just because you said you're somebody? You, you haven't proved it to me yet. Well, I think that. They they wouldn't know about discovery when when Admiral Vance says that there's no records of the discovery, there's no records of the secret mission, and that that part would be true because Spock and Pike and Number One um, and Ash uh, erased all records of discovery and they all got together and, and agreed to the lie that they were destroyed in that explosion and that was the official. Um, the record they filed with Starfleet. That part I could believe, but he said there's no record of that. That I believe. However, the part about not knowing about control, when control was going to wipe out all life in, in the known universe, I would have thought that somebody would have mentioned that to Starfleet. So that was strange, I thought. Yeah, I mean, well... Oh boy, maybe you'll appreciate this. Is that I'm going to jump over to Planet of the Apes? Is that, um, you know, the ape culture was taught that they were always around, but until they did the digging and they found the doll, and the doll says, "Mama," I mean, now now all of history has changed. Right. And and that's what I think has happened. I mean, they're they're giving you one history and the question is there really a second history that they're they're keeping quiet about. Yeah, there's definitely something going on there. And uh we're gonna have to wait to find out. Um now there was something that I thought that in this episode that was really nice, which I wanted to get your input on. Maybe you didn't catch it or or not because it was pretty quick, and but it was there. What did you think about the USS Nog? Um, I don't know. All I know was I saw something on Facebook, and well, I thought it was the other way around that that they didn't honor a USS Log. Did they, was there a USS Log? I know that they talk about Voyager, that they, you know, they see Voyager. No, there there was a USS Log, and um, I forgot the registry number, 325070, I think it was, um, because it was the 32nd century. He died when he was 50, and nobody can figure out what the 70 is in reference to, but if you look on Facebook, you'll see somebody did a screenshot of the ship, and you can actually see a diagram of what the ship actually looks like, and it was, they were just paying an homage to to the great Aaron Eisenberg, who died, what was it, last year or the year before, who played Nog on Deep Space Nine. Right. And I I thought that was really... I, I was happy that that they put that in there. I thought that was a, was really uh, classy of them to to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, Aaron, Aaron was a big loss. That that was, you know, well, <laughs> I know this sounds a little strange, but especially when someone is younger than me, and. And all of a sudden they're they're gone. They're here one day and they're gone the next. I mean, uh, I was talking with done friend Tom. I mean, you know, it's like you're you're on film. I mean, you can watch the television and you can see a person or a character or something like that. And and many of the people that we work with are are either gone away or or aren't working anymore and and I don't know it's a different feeling I guess when you've worked on a show 
as opposed to um I guess a fan who, you know, watches uh original Star Trek all the way to to Enterprise, uh it, it was kind of interesting because someone suggested that they should do a movie with with like all these different characters from original Star Trek to to Enterprise or something like that and it's like I mean William Shatner the actor is 90 years old. I mean it, it it I I don't know. I wonder sometimes if fans get kind of stuck in the episode and they don't realize that these people are are 50 60 years older than you know what you're watching on television. Yeah, there there are some fans out there. I've, I've run into them that have trouble differentiating between reality and TV. They're out there. But the majority of the fans are pretty cool, though. Um, I, I, I did want to ask you, though, one more thing. You kind of already touched on it, but I, this is a, a good segue into what we're going to talk about tonight. And I, I think on each show, I think we'll, we'll continue. At the start of each show... Um, We'll just talk a little bit about the newest episode of Star Trek so people can get hear your opinion uh, because they're going to hear mine on Thursday night. But uh, this way people can hear your opinion on it. If that's something you want to keep doing, we can keep doing that, definitely. We did it with Lower Decks. I thought it was fun, if you don't mind. Oh, but, uh, okay. Um <laughs> I don't know. People, I'm I'm on a caption call phone, so I'm half listening, half reading to what what you're saying to me. Um, I mean, doing stunts on Voyager, doing stunts on Deep Space Nine. I mean, it was fun. It was it was. I'm an original Trekkie. I mean, I I well, I think I said this last week. I went to the second. Uh, Star Trek convention that was held in New York City. No one, no one had even in. I mean, you know, uh, fan conventions didn't exist until until Star Trek, you know, started these uh, conventions. So I went to the second one. I mean, the dream of working on Star Trek, uh, you know, I, I, it, it wasn't. To me, when I went out to California to be a stunt woman, it wasn't it wasn't a possibility because there was original Star Trek and that was it, you know. And it and it ended in the '60s, and and I didn't get out to California until the '70s. So so never in my mine hope dreams did I ever think that I was going to work on Star Trek. But then uh, one of the stunt guys that we went to this gym in Santa Monica ended up being the stunt coordinator for the next generation Deep Space Nine and Voyager. And uh, he, he was loyal to the people that used to go to the gym. And, and, uh, well, I was in New York during the next generation, but I came back out to California during uh Deep Space Nine and Voyager and and he hired me and I worked on Deep Space Nine and then they started doing Voyager and you know <laughs> you I don't even know what he said. You know, I have a job for you and and I was stunt doubling a character named Balana Torres. You know, again, it's like uh, when when you ask questions of Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it's it's the beginning of Voyager. I mean, you know, what who who what is really a Balana Torres? You now, know, did you it, know? It, it, did you know at the time that she was a a half Klingon, half human? Did you at least know that much about the character, or were you going in stone cold? Um, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> Again, you're talking like 
40 years, well, is it 40 years or is it only 30 years? Maybe it's only 30 years, but you're talking about 30 years ago. Um, I'm trying, I I don't, I, I mean, I assume, I assume that I must have seen an episode, so I knew of this character, but 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 again, uh, you know, the first couple of seasons of a television show, um, you really haven't developed the character. I mean, the the one thing that I remember was Jane Wayne, Jane Jane Way, is is her original hairdo uh, on the set. We used to call her her helmet head. <laughs> I don't know if the fans did that or not, but uh I mean, you know, the hairdo that they gave her was it was it was just awful. I mean, they finally maybe by the second or third season they they changed her hairdo, but <laughs> you know. Yeah, she uh <laughs> Yeah, and and that's actually she wasn't actually the first choice for captain either. Renee Bourgeois actually was the first captain. She didn't even make it through right. the first episode. She, she quit. Right. And then they, Is they that, hired, hired uh, Pedro Grew. I I didn't they even start to film with um, Yvette and and during the filming of I don't know if it was pilot or I don't. Or first episode or something. All of a sudden, she changed her mind. And she said, "I don't want to do it." <laughs> yeah. Left. If you go on YouTube, there's some footage of her uh, in, in the first episode with Tom Paris that was floating around. And uh, I'm actually glad they that they went with you know with Kate Mulgrew because um, she was a much older captain. Than Janeway, well, the Janeway you were used to, and she didn't seem very comfortable saying all the lines either. So I'm glad they changed her. Actually, well, I wonder. Oh. Then again, I um, I don't know. I think Kate Milgrew did Mrs. Columbo before she did Voyager, if I remember correctly. Mrs. Columbo was, I don't even know if it lasted a season, but, uh, you know, that was, uh, to me, she was film. She wasn't necessarily television, or or maybe I just didn't watch any television shows she was in. I mean, it, it is it is interesting. There, the, uh, People that do film don't necessarily do television. It it's not that easy a crossover for some of the actors. No, and I did I did see her in uh Remo Williams The Adventure Begins. That was a movie. And most recently I saw her in that excellent uh series called Orange is the New Black. She played Red, the Russian person that ran the kitchen. Great character. And, of course, now she's going to be back as Janeway on the animated uh, series on Nickelodeon called Star Trek Prodigy. So I'm excited about that. Um, But listen, for our listeners at Odyssey Radio, uh, we have to take our first commercial break, our only commercial break, actually, because this show is only an hour. Uh, So we're going to take a commercial break right now for you guys over there at Odyssey Radio. Uh, Don't worry, Leslie and I aren't going anywhere. We'll be right back after you guys listen to a few quick commercial breaks. But for our listeners here on um, on YouTube or on our or the other listeners, well, we're going to listen to a quick promo, and then we'll be right back in 30 seconds. Don't touch that dial. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday nights, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go.
And we're back with the Leslie Hoffman, yours truly, Uncle Jim, and we're talking about becoming Taurus on Star Trek Voyager. So, Leslie, once you landed the role, um, did you did you actually did you talk with Roxanne Biggs Dawson at all about about this character and her nuances, or or was she, you know you didn't really have any any communication no, with her no. about the character? No, when you're hired as a stunt double, uh, actually, I, 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 I'm going to take it back. It happened only once, is uh, when I doubled um, Greta. <laughs> uh, lost her name. She, she's famous for uh, City on the Edge of Forever. She was on Dallas. And I doubled her in uh, Viva Rock, Rock Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas. Is it Julie somebody? Joan, Joan, Joan Collins? Oh, Joan, right. Um, she is the only actress that actually she had somebody call me over to where she was sitting and and she said, well, we did the stunt once, and and she actually gave me directions on what her character would do, and that is the only time that I had an extra or that I had an actress tell me, you know, could you do the stunt this way because this is what my character would do. Usually, usually when you're a stunt double, um. The actress may not even be on the set. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. Um, you know, it's it's a fight scene, and and uh, like in Day of Honor, uh, Dennis Madalone asked Tom Morga and I to work out a fight, and the director uh, came over. And we showed him the fight. Dennis wasn't on the set at that moment, and he thought the fight was great. And then uh, Dennis came on the set, and we showed him the fight. And uh, I mean, he gave maybe he gave us one suggestion, but Tom and I put together uh, is what they filmed. Now, why don't you walk and, us through how you? How you actually became Taurus, right from from your uniform fitting to your the Klingon makeup to to your wig, your communicator, um, you know, to tell the fans a little bit, talk a little bit about how that happened and what that was like. Um, okay, so so uh, you know when you're well. Whether you're being yourself, whether you're stunt doubling, uh, well, in this case, because you were stunt doubling, I had to go in for a specific fitting to have the exact same uh, costume made that would fit me. Um, you know, they it, it has happened in really low-budget films and things like that where where they'll have the actress undress and you put on their clothes but but uh i mean star trek was high budget enough that that i had my own set of wardrobe and roxanne had her own set of wardrobe um basically you come to the set uh you you go to your dressing room drop for me you drop off your stunt bag you put on the t-shirt you go over to uh, hairdressing first because they pin up your hair and put a wig cap on you and then you go over to makeup and they put prosthetics they glue the prosthetics onto you uh, then you go back over their hair and and uh, well I forget if they also do the makeup you know like lipstick or anything like that uh, then you go back over to hair, and that's when they put the wig on you. And and with the Klingons, uh, eyebrows are considered hair. So so it wasn't makeup that would put uh, the eyebrows on me. It was it was the hair department that would put the uh, eyebrows on me. 
Um, and then the other interesting thing is I used to get uh, the previous year's uh, wig that was made for Roxanne, and those wigs cost about $6,000. So even even secondhand wig was a $6,000 wig. Wow. And yeah, Leslie, I mean... How long did it take for them to turn you into Balana Taurus, the whole procedure? How long were you in the chair? Um, to, to just do facial makeup was probably an hour and a half back and forth between hair and makeup, you know, and then I had to get dressed in, in the outfit. Uh, but there was an episode called... Um, uh, blood fever when she got palm far and they decided that she this repelling suit she was wearing she was going to take it down and underneath the the repelling suit she had this like uh sleeveless t-shirt and believe it or not hollywood is a union town believe it or not to have my arms darkened or, you know, painted or made up uh, for her, for being Balana, took a different department. The, the, the people that did the face makeup are not allowed to spray my arms. So uh, I had to go to the dressing room, and this other department came in with uh, one of those uh, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a spray can, you know. It it's one of those air powered. Has that little bucket underneath it, and, and they're busy spraying my arms. Um, so that one took a little longer. Uh, and then and then you know that's uh, so you so you know it takes an hour and a half to do this uh, to get into the makeup. And then you wait around most of the day, and they finally get to your stun. But then it can take uh, half an hour to 45 minutes to uh, have the makeup or the prosthetics removed, because if they can save them, they'll use them again, which actually just came to mind in my head is that, boy, if we were talking about the COVID pi- uh, virus, if we were talking about 2020, I bet they would make you throw those pieces away nowadays. I'd be taking them home, selling them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leslie, um, do you, you, actually, you actually have... A Starfleet uniform? They they fit you for your own Starfleet uniform? It's it's really sad. I didn't realize that they were selling the the all the wardrobe and maybe by the third or fourth week was I found out about it and so I started looking and yes, I have the repelling suit from Voyager, and it has a tag in it, and it says Leslie Hoffman. Uh, unfortunately, the boots that I was wearing did not come along with the suit, so I don't have the boots that you know would have completed the suit. Um, and then also, I doubled the character Mil- Mila on Deep Space Nine, and I have her dress, but. Uh, the Starfleet uniform that I wore uh, to Double Torres, like I say, they must have, they must have sold it in the first two or three weeks. So I, I wish I I had a Starfleet uniform, but I don't. But I'm glad I have but a repelling one. But you do yes, have. I do have. You do have a battle rep- though. You have oh, a battle. Wait a minute. <laughs> Waiting for. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I a do bat, have the repelling suit, lap. and I do have the Mila suit. Yes, you have a bat lap. But, oh, oh, bat lice. 
I wish you could read what the op- I shouldn't say that the operator will get mad at me and stop captioning call. Yes, I have um several bat lifts and uh well several other items that uh from Star Trek because we used to do conventions and uh the prop master his name was Joe Longo um I asked him if he had uh you know any Star Trek weapons that we could use in in a live stunt show and you know these these were ones that I'll call it beyond repair you know like a tip was missing or something like that but 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 yes I do have several bat lifts and other weapons from the Star Trek series that is really cool because I got to see one of the bat lifts that you had up at Trekonderoga, and I thought it was pretty cool. A real bat lift, a real fake yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, one of my favorite stories about bat lifts was I was doing a Star Trek convention, and this guy comes up to me with a stainless steel. He's cut out a bat lift out of stainless steel, and and he and I'm sitting at the table and he wants me to autograph his bat lift. I shouldn't say it this way, but this is the way it felt is that he shoves a stainless steel bat lift points facing towards me, you know, onto the table. <laughs> I'm gonna get shish kebab by this you know, it's like woo <laughs> Okay, I'll sign it. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, no. That, so, let me, I, so what they, what else are, um Yep. Playing Balan and Forest. Um Did you ever get to fly the Voyager? Okay. <laughs> this operator isn't writing anything down. Oh, did I ever to fly the Voyager? Oh well, not. Uh, well, no. I take that back. I did. I did fly the Voyager as Bellana Torres, and as usual, I blew up the. Sh- I blew up the panel. Uh, it was the episode where Kess was going back and forth in time. It was the episode was called Before and After, and Janeway and Torres were at the panel, and, <laughs> and of course it blows up, and the stunt woman and I, the other stunt woman and I go flying backwards and hit the ground, and the actress Kess comes running up to us, and she's dead or they're dead. <laughs> I don't know. I I die a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, don't don't get me near any panels on on <laughs> on the Defiant, on Voyager, uh the Valiant, uh, uh the parallel universe. I'll blow up a shirt. But if you see me, you know there's going to be an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So Leslie, I mean I'm I'm a huge Klingon fan and, and I like to dress up as a Klingon. I cosplay as a Klingon. It's a lot of fun. Um what's what's your favorite what's the favorite alien that you've ever got to play on Star Trek or what alien would you have liked to play that you never got the chance to play on Star Trek? I this sounds interesting is that um I think I would have liked to been a full-blooded Klingon. You know, got to wear the pointy teeth and and things like that. Torres was only half Klingon, half human. So her teeth were the normal things. Uh her her hairpiece and the prosthetics weren't as pronounced as let's say the Duras sisters. Oh, and 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 
and the costumes that the Dora sisters wore. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you don't that have was one of those, quite different. <laughs> yeah, that, that those dresses were a lot more revealing than well, like you say, uh, Torres usually was dressed up as Starfleet or like you say, I was in a repelling outfit. But but no, they didn't they didn't have a a hole in the midriff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, oh I don't boy! Know. I I. Uh, I'm only like five foot three and three quarters. I guess I could have been a Ferengi. I'm not sure if I would have been too tall or 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 whether or not they would use me or not. But but, but I I've been a Romulan. I've been uh, there is no such thing as a female Jemadar. I mean you know uh, Tom Tom basically got to play every alien there was except a Ferengi because he's six foot one he'd be the world he'd be a Ferengi with a thyroid condition (laughs) (laughs) um so so I don't know I I really can't think of a uh like I say I think I would have loved to have been maybe a a hundred percent Klingon which I never was but but you know I've been a Bajor and Lice I've been Bajor and Romulan Cardassian, uh, so so I got to play a lot of the uh, female aliens and and no. and uh, I talked about the <laughs> that one episode on Voyager called Memorial, and I asked what this character's or you know what what. Um, species this character was, and they said naked. I go naked. I'm playing a naked alien. Oh, it's naked. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've played. I've even played uh, aliens that you know are not. Uh, you know, were guest stars for that week. Leslie, what was your favorite? What was your favorite episode on Star Trek Voyager? Um, I would say definitely Day of Honor. At that time, Roxanne was either nine or ten weeks pregnant, and they wouldn't let her do the fight. They usually they intercut the fight with the actress, and they just didn't want her, you know, bouncing around or anything. So if you were to watch uh, Day of Honor, uh, you, you see the Klingons hitting her with the what's called the pain stick, but then at a certain point you see them hit me with the pain stick, and that starts the fight between myself and the Klingon, which was Tom Morga, and and we did the fight. Uh, completely through ourselves. There was no cut to it. Um, the cameraman was wearing this item called a Steadicam, which which allows the camera to kind of float, so so you don't get any jerky movements out of it. So as Tom and I are fighting, um, he glances down. I throw Tom to the ground. And he glances, the camera glances down at the Klingon laying on the ground. I step out of the scene, and Roxanne steps into the scene, and the the cameraman swings the camera, and here all of a sudden is Roxanne Dawson, and she says something like, hey, you know, I've decided I've changed my mind. So, So there's no cut in that. I mean, like I say, from the point of me being hit with the pain stick to the point of Roxanne saying, you know, I've changed my mind, and she walks off set, and I think they go to commercial at that point. That is that is one piece of film, and that's very, very, very rare. I mean, I did a fight in um, Blood Fever, 
and and uh, you'll see where they intercut uh, Roxanne, uh, you know, doing sort of a throw or uh, a hit. But but then when when Vorak hits her, the Vulcan hits her with a stick or something, and she falls to the ground. You see me. So so I'm. I guess I'm extremely proud of all the Star Treks. I'm exp- extremely proud of uh, the fight in Day of Honor. Yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty exciting, actually. How yeah, well, that's another Yeah, it, uh, you know, they, that was another thing. Is they didn't allow human women to throw punches. And... Uh, which is which is so different in discovery i'm I'm so thrilled in discovery that that you know the women are beating up the men, the men are beating up the women i mean in other words it's it now all of a sudden in discovery it's it's okay that that a woman could could possibly beat up a man or or you know that <laughs> I know it sounds funny but like you say is that a woman can defend herself yeah she might get hit but she still can defend herself in during during uh TOS TNG uh DS9 Voyager and Enterprise uh if it was a human woman um she might take a gun or lead pipe and hit the person, but she could not throw a punch because because for some reason they just felt that a woman wouldn't, wouldn't have that much power in a punch to to hurt of a guy. Well, that's definitely changed today. That I can tell you that much. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, I I. I thoroughly enjoy the fight scenes on Discovery. So let me see. We have just about five minutes left. Let me ask you a question about Discovery, uh, the last episode. What did you think about seeing the Voyager J show up on screen? Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> Voyager J. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been so long that, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I, I, I hate to say that I'm not that trivia knowledgeable anymore about, about these things. So, so, um. Well, like you say, that that's why I loved Lower Decks, the the animated series, is that uh, a lot of the jokes were more about the original Star Trek series, which which that's that's the trivia I know, and and you know some next generation uh, discovery for them to to show an older ship or something, I, I'm just not up. I, sorry about it. I'm just not up on it. Well, Leslie, uh, it's just about time for us to say good night. If you believe that or not, the shows just fly right by. Um, but they're fun as always. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week yet, but we will be back. Same bat time, same bat channel, Sunday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here. Uh, We will be live. Our phone number is 646-668-2433. So if you guys are listening on iHeartRadio or iTunes or Stitcher or any other platform, um, head on over to Blog Talk Radio backslash Trek Talking. And listen to us on Sunday night live and give us a call at 646-668-2433. And please, please visit the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page and say hello. Uh, Leslie, we'll get right back to you. We, we check the board 
frequently. And if you have an idea for a show or a topic that you'd like to have us address, please mention it over there, and we'll take it under advisement. We're currently working on an idea uh, that a fan mentioned to us, and I'm trying to figure out the logistics of how to make it work. But if you have an idea, please head on over there, mention it, and Leslie and I will take it under advisement, and more than likely we'll probably do it if we can make it work. (laughs) So please do that. And make sure you tune in on Thursday night to Trek Talking and Beyond with yours truly, Uncle Jim, and my most excellent co-hosts, Eric and Charles. And we'll be talking about Star Trek Discovery, Episode 5, Die Trying. We're also going to be talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter uh, chapter 3, I believe it's Chapter 3, The Passenger. So you guys want to check that out as well. And I'm your host, Uncle Jim, and with me as usual is Leslie Hoffman. So I want to say thank you to Leslie Hoffman for joining us tonight because, face it, we couldn't do stunt tracks without the Leslie Hoffman, right? <laughs> no, I, 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 I love Star Trek. I love talking about Star Trek. I mean, so definitely say hello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they can find out. Also, if fans are interested in autographed pictures, they can get a hold of those two at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page as well. I forgot to mention that. Leslie has several different pictures that are available, and uh, she can sign them to Joe, to John, to Jim, whatever, personalize them for you, and sign whatever you want on them. So head on over there. And check that out as well. So uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us tonight, Leslie, and doing some Trek talking. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Oh, always a pleasure. And we'll be back next week for another show. Maybe we'll squeeze in Planet of the Apes. I don't know. But we'll definitely be back. And <laughs> we get a Planet of our Apes in there. Anyways. I'm your host, Uncle Jim, and I want to say thank you to each and every one of you listening around the globe because Star Trek is truly a global um, phenomenon. We have listeners in Ireland and Germany and all around the globe, so thank you to all of you guys for listening. And I just want to say to try to be safe, stay safe, be good to each other, and hailing frequencies are now closed. Good night, everybody. Bye. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.